Well, it's my privilege to introduce tonight's speaker. Um, I've known Brian for probably about three, three years or so. Brian has become a great friend. There's, there's a gathering that happens maybe two times in the year of pastors of large churches around Scotland, and there's about 15 churches represented. And Brian leads one of those churches. Him and his wife, Kelly, moved to uh, Glasgow to plant a church there a number of years back, and Rehope Church was birthed. It is a fantastic church. And Brian is a great friend and a brilliant leader. He's going to be teaching tonight on prayer and fasting. And this is a guy who's not going to teach some theory. He's living and he's practicing this. And he's seen God break through as he prays. He's a dear friend and I really honor him. Would you put your hands together and give Brian Ingram a passionate Edinburgh welcome? Well, that's hard to follow, that introduction. Sorry for the rest of this. Uh, I am so excited to be here with you guys tonight. Fasting is a big deal. It's a big deal to me in my life. You are beginning the most powerful week of this next season for, for you and your church. I know that you've experienced a lot of times of fasting in the past. I know that you've ex- uh, had times where you've gathered together and you've had weeks like this, but that was in the past, and we're excited about what God's done, but this week is about the next and, and what's going on. You're going to spend this week praying and seeking God together pre-ordering miracles, pre-ordering guidance, pre-ordering a a whole season of direction and breakthrough for for your lives and and for your church as a whole. I'm excited what God's doing uh, in in your church and and in Scotland, Um, and I'm excited for this week and its impact, not just for you, but for our nation. For our nation, God's people humbling themselves and praying. Our, our church just finished our, our fasting week uh, this last be- week. Uh, I take it easier on them, I guess. Uh, you guys go for seven days. I call them for five days, but now I'm being inspired, and I might, I might uh, raise the bar to eight days. No, uh, <laughs> no uh, to, to, maybe I'll try uh, seven days next week. Um, again, this, we're, we're newer to it. We did this last year and, and um, just could see just the exponential three times more fruit over this last season than we'd seen uh, in, in different seasons. Uh, just we, There's nothing more powerful, according to the Bible, than when God's people pray, when God's people gather together and pray in agreement. That's why I love you got all these, you got all these uh, times where you're gathering together to pray, to pray in agreement. And then you combine that with fasting And then you combine that with God's people gathering together in agreement and prayer and fasting together. You just get, you just hit on the most powerful thing that God's people can do to seek God's favor, to seek God's breakthrough, to seek God's God's guidance in in your lives, in your church. It's powerful. Now, in our church, not everybody spends the, the five days praying and fasting. Not everybody can, not everybody should do that. There's lots of reasons to, to not fast, uh, especially we have people in our church who are pregnant. A lot of people seem to be pregnant in our church or, or nursing. Uh, some of them have exams or jobs where they just should not do this because of physical labor. We have a, um, an eye surgeon. Nobody wants her fasting for, for this week. No, we want her to be able to think clearly and to not be shaky as she does her job. Uh, everybody wants her to not be fasting. There's people in our church who are on medications where it's just not appropriate or, or good for them to, to be not eating while on um, some of their, their medications. 
We don't want to mess with that. There's people in our church who are underweight and, and we're not encouraging that. There's lots of great reasons, health issues or whatever, not to fast. But for those who are able, healthy, situationally able, I challenge them to go for it. And not just to start, but to, to try the whole thing. And, and if they don't make that's fine. And if they can't because of their situation, that's fine. But I just call them to just go for it and, and, and to, to not hold back. To, to raise the bar from whatever their, their, their experience was last year to try again and, and, um, and just go for it. And to not give away, to not give way to the fear. The intimidation of, uh, of going without food, that, that idea of, oh man, I'm not going to eat for seven days. I'm not going to eat for five days. I'm not going to eat for three days. And, and instead say, no, I'm going to bombard heaven for what we want more than this meal. And what we want more for this meal. Uh, our, our fasting week, and, and I, I implied this a second ago, but our fasting week isn't about this week. It's about the season. It's about the, the big picture guidance of God. It's about pre-ordering a year full of incredible. Uh, and a year full of, of more, a year full of God's help. Now, that's my church and, and, and my, my situation. If, if Pastor Pete says anything different than I say, then you listen to him and you can just kind of be amused and kind of roll your eyes. Oh, there's that Glasgow guy over here. Yeah, what is, yeah just listen to him and, and his guidance. But I'm going to talk about uh, biblical fasting. And what I mean by biblical fasting is there's lots of things that we talk about as fasting and uh, things that we abstain from, like I'm, I'm fasting from X. Xbox or I'm fasting from Netflix and, and all that kind of stuff. And hey, if, if you're unable to fast from food for whatever reasons, I am not knocking fasting from Xbox. I know that can be a challenge personally or Netflix or, or whatever. Uh, anything we give up as a sacrifice of praise and obedience to God to seek him, to set aside more time in our lives, more focus, it's good, it's legit, it's wonderful. Uh, blessings on, on all who are going to give up anything this week, uh, intentionally to seek God and seek God's favor and his breakthrough in, in your life. So praise God, do that. However, biblical fasting is about not eating food. It's about not eating food for a meal, or for 12 hours, for, for, for a long season of, uh, of time. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus assumes that his followers are going to be fasting. He, he assumes. He says, when you fast... Not like if you ever fast. He says, he says, when you fast. And then he goes on to talk about it. And the reason is, is because in Jesus' day, pretty much all Jews fasted. All Jews. They, they fasted two days a week. All the Pharisees and, and a, a high percentage of Jews, they fasted on Monday and they fasted on Thursday. Every week. And what would happen is, is they, would, they would just skip their first, uh, first two meals of the day. They would, they would kind of go from sunrise to sunset. And they would, they would go without food, and then they would break their fast at sunset with a light meal with no meat and no wine. That's, that was their practice, and they would do that two days a week. Well, the early church, they didn't want to be like the Pharisees because, you know, Jesus says, don't be like the Pharisees. So they're going to be legalistic about this, and they're going to switch days. And so the early church, uh, from the very beginning, switched to having a two-day fasting pattern every week, uh, fasting on Wednesdays and fasting on Fridays. And that pattern continued until just about a century ago. Like it has been the church practice for ages to fast two days a week on, on Wednesdays and Fridays. In fact, in Scotland here, the Gallic 
word for Wednesday means the day of the first fast. And the day, Thursday means the day between the fasts. And Friday means the day of the fast. It was deeply embedded into our culture from, from Jesus' day all the way up to the present. This idea of two days a week fasting, specifically on, on Wednesdays and uh, on Fridays. Uh, speaking of not Scotland, John Wesley, he was writing in the 1700s about this two days a week fasting. And he says this. And now I'm going to give you a disclaimer. If, if you haven't read much of John Wesley, he is a little direct. He's a little direct. He says, I, I fear there are thousands of so-called Methodists in England and Ireland, skipping out Scotland because we're on track, both who, following some bad example, have entirely left off fasting, who are so far from fasting twice a week, they don't even fast twice a month. You know who you are, right? <laughs> he goes on to say, the man who never fasts is no more on the way to heaven than the man who never prays. Wow. Um, just a fact check for you. You don't have to fast to go to heaven. <laughs> just fact checking John Wesley. Uh, no, we're, we're saved by grace. But, but that's the, that was the mindset of that era. How central, how common, how, how the followers of Jesus basically would fast two days a week on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Skipping uh, breakfast, skipping lunch, and then breaking the, the fast with a, a light dinner without meat. Now, in recent times, uh, that's not the common practice. It's not the common practice in Scotland. It's nearly disappeared, but I'm extremely encouraged. Because of what I see in our church and your church and, and, and starting to grow in, in our land is that God seems to be reawakening his church. He seems to be reawakening his church again to boldly recapture this most powerful, God-seeking strategy. He, he's reawakening his church to return to this, this powerful breakthrough practice for guidance, for closeness, for miracles. And, and he's calling his church back to this, to reclaim it. According to the Bible, again, I said there's just no there's no more powerful way to seek God given to us in the Bible than praying, fasting together as God's people. Now, before I go any further, I want to make something entirely clear. God, God is going to do great things for your church, whether you fast or not. He loves you guys. He loves his church. He loves his bride. He is going to, he's going to shine upon you. He's going to do good things for you. He's not going to stop heaven. He's not going to stop uh, speaking. He's not going to stop. He's not going to just turn off the tap if we don't pray and fast. That's not why we pray and fast. The reason why we pray and fast, according to the Bible and biblically, is because we know that there is much more and much better and much quicker available via prayer and fasting than without it. There is much more, much better, and much quicker available. Your year as a church, your next season, what happens at Destiny Edinburgh this year, it's going to be better. 
More God helped. God being more clear because of this week. He's going to do more, better, and quicker because you're seeking him together in this most powerful way. What kinds of things uh, do we see in the Bible that, that people are fasting for? What, what is fasting about? What are the kinds of things that you can benefit from as you're, you're fasting? Well, first of all, you can see that people are fasting in repentance. We see that example in 1 Samuel chapter 7, fasting and repentance. It is very appropriate when you find yourself maybe stuck in sin or grieving sin to go through a time of fasting. Now, you're not going through fasting to plead with God to forgive you. That We have a promise. It's, it's Jesus forgives us. We, we call it to him. We've been forgiven. Praise God for that. But what we're doing when we're fasting in, in repentance is we are agreeing with God, and we're grieving with God. We're humbling ourselves before God and saying, I have missed the mark, and I agree with you. This isn't good. A lot of people experience major breakthroughs from sin habits via extended seasons of fasting, times of fasting. Where they, they align their grief with God's heart, and they humble themselves, and they find breakthrough. Um, some other things we see in the Bible, fasting and grief and disappointment. We see that example in 2 Samuel chapter 1 where Saul and Jonathan uh, die. They're killed in battle. And so they, they, fast and grief about, uh, they fast in grief and disappointment. We see examples of fasting for safety and protection for the days ahead. Ezra, in Ezra, they, they set up a, a fast for this journey because they have got lots of people and lots of stuff. And they, they decided they weren't going to bring any soldiers. And so they fasted and they prayed and God, God granted them that, that safety and protection in the days ahead. We see examples of fasting to seek answers from God. We see that in the book of Daniel and other, where, and other places where Daniel was confused. He needed more clarity. He had some clarity, but he wanted more clarity. We see examples of fasting for what to do next or to begin a new season. Lots of people begin new seasons. Jesus uh, begin new seasons. Paul is set apart. Uh, he and Barnabas are set apart. They're, they're in a time of prayer and fasting, and they hear from the Holy Spirit to set apart Barnabas and, and Paul, Saul, Paul, Saul, Saul, Paul. And then they, and then they uh, consecrate them with a time of fasting into their next season there, Acts chapter 13. And then there's uh, other examples of fasting for favor and help, like Esther, Queen Esther, she's like, I, I, we're going to fast. I call everybody to fast, and we're going we're gonna to call on God for help and for favor. Now, as we just blitz through that list, I, I hope that you're thinking, whoa, in my life, I could use some of that. I, 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 need, I need some of that for me. And, and um, when, when you're in this time of prayer and fasting, yeah, we're praying for God's breakthrough in our church, but um, I, I tell my people, go ahead and tap into it for yourself personally. Like, yeah, I, I, need, I need God's favor and help for, for our, my church, but also for my life and my situation. And so they are, man, I really need God's direction. Personally, I'm at a place of desperate desperation. Desperate desperation in my life. I, I have just been calling out to God for help. I got to the end of this last year and was looking at the church and the challenges the church is facing, uh, looking at my own life and the challenges that, that I'm, I'm facing and going through, and I just realized I am desperately desperate for God's help. 
And so that catapulted me in this season into the, my longest season of, of prayer and fasting ever. Uh, today's tw- day 21. I've not had a bite of food since the cannon at, on Hogmanay. I haven't eaten. And um, that's ironic because I, I told myself about a year ago I didn't want to fast while teaching ever again. But uh, here, I, here I am, continuing to do that. But I, I find myself at a place of such desperate desperation. Do you know what that's like? Where you're just like, God, I need your help. I need your help for my church. I need your help now in my life, in my situation. I just can't keep going in my own strength without your guidance, without your help, without your rescue, without your deliverance, whatever the situation might be. And so I was like, God, I've got nothing else. I need you. And it's in that desperation that drives us to better places in prayer. That drives us to better places in humbling ourselves before God. Asking God to finally act. I've, I've never done this this long in my life. You, I, have a, I fast for several weeks a year. I, I get uh, several weeks or one week at a time, about three times a year. And usually when I'm fasting, God is speaking extra clearly through dreams or, or visions or, or words or reading his Bible or whatever. But it's not unusual for me to get to day three or four a little bit discouraged. Like, man. I have not eaten for four days and I'm not hearing anything yet. And, oh, this is worthless and I'm just, I'm just going to give up. And I, and I, I just want to encourage you if, you, if you go for this and you're going seven days, you're like five days into it and you're like, I haven't heard anything. This is a waste. I want to just remind you what I said at the beginning. This is about pre-ordering so much things. Now, we love to think of fasting as the time for breakthrough and often it is. But actually, biblically, More often in the Bible, we see that the results of fasting take place after they started eating again than while they were actually fasting. You see, Daniel, it takes place while he's fasting. One of Paul's times is while he's fasting. But very often, like in Ezra, they fasted, then they started eating, and then they went, and God was with them. So don't be disturbed. Now, I say this kind of as a hypocrite, but, but, but on Thursday night and Friday night at 1 in the morning, I'm like, this is day, like, I don't know, whatever, 1920. I'm like, I am not here. I need help, and it's not happened yet, and I'm getting to the end of this time. And I, I, So I know what it's like to freak out, thinking, like, I'm in this time of fasting, and I need this help, and I need it now and for it not to happen yet. But I just want to remind us all, biblically, that very often you, you make that commitment, you see it through, and then God honors it. You know, at the end of Jesus' fasting, the, uh, he's tempted. And then when he passes the test, then he returns in power. And he goes into his ministry. So very often it's about passing that test, holding on to the end, and then seeing God, God shine. So it's, it's both, but uh, it's definitely... Definitely don't neglect or get discouraged if you get into day three or four and, and things aren't as you hoped. For me, these days have, have felt a lot like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Not the fire from the sky, Elijah from Mount Carmel moment, although that's pretty cool. It's, it's the moment where he's up there and he is got his head between his knees and he's praying for rain. You know that story? Now, as a church, again, we're, we're encouraging everybody to pray, to pray hard, to plead with God. Well, Elijah's up there. He's praying. He's got his head between his knees. And, and God's already said that he's going to send rain. But he's praying for it as hard as he can anyways. Sometimes God tells us as churches, hey, this is what's coming up. This is, this is what's going to happen. But it doesn't mean we, we don't pray, continue to pray for it. Elijah is down on his He's praying and pleading with God for breakthrough. So he's praying. Then he sends a servant out. Do you see anything? 
Nothing. Do you see, he continues to pray. He sends his servant out. Do you see anything? Nothing. Zero evidence of, of his answered prayer over and over and over again. I want to remind us, as we're getting ready to go into a season of fasting, we're, we're, we're also engaging in the practice of persevering in pursuing God. Continuing, not just, not just like for a, a day or a prayer, but this is, this is a season where we're, teach, we're teaching ourselves and we're training one another, where we're, we're joining together to continue to bombard heaven, to bombard heaven with prayers until we see the breakthroughs. Until we get those answers. And, and if it's not on day three, if it's not on day seven, we're continuing to bombard heaven for answers. Uh, but, it, but it's hard. It's hard. And I bet that there's some people out there like me who have gone through a season of prayer here in the church before, a season of fasting. And actually they find themselves right now praying for the same thing this time again. I, I know that for the last... Seven extended fasts that I've done of a week long, I'm still praying for the same thing again. Sometimes you just got to keep battling and battling and battling, wrestling with heaven for that answer prayer. Mark Batterson is somebody that, that I read quite a bit um, on prayer, and because his books are smooth and easy and entertaining to read. Uh, he writes this He says, Very rarely are our prayers answered as quickly or easily as we'd like. By definition, praying hard is hard because it's hard. But it's the prayers you pray when you feel like you want to quit praying that can bring the greatest breakthroughs. And that's what this time is about. Powerful fasting, praying together for breakthroughs, for closeness, for guidance, and not giving up on those prayers. For you personally, not giving up for the prayers that you've, 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 you've been bringing to God over and over again to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking in the words of Jesus until the doors are open. Thinking about perseverance and fasting, and, and I, it is a major theme, and, and if you don't know what it's like to understand the connection between perseverance and fasting, just wait until dinner on day one, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember now. Um, in in, in uh, December here, I was reading the Gospels, uh, I was reading through Matthew again, and this story caught me as, as, uh, oh, so, as the story I wanted to take into this season to continue to seek God for, for what's going on. It's in Matthew chapter 15, and it starts in verse 21, and, and here's the story, I'm just going to remind you real quick. When Jesus left there, the other place, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon, which is, which is out of the land of Israel, way up north on the coast. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly tormented by a demon. Now, the person. The person is a Canaanite woman. Canaanite woman. And if you're tracking the story of the Bible, there is no one more unlikely there is no one more, more un, unlikely of all cultures, of all civilizations, of all people groups. There is no one more unlikely to receive anything good from the Lord than a Canaanite. She is the most unlikely and unworthy of people to receive anything at all from Jesus. Now, I don't 
I don't know how you feel about you, but some of you might be looking ahead of this week and have some, why would God hear my prayers? I've messed up. I've been off track. I, I, I don't feel like, you know, like I, my, my sin, my, my compromises, my failures, maybe something that happened to you. And you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm just the least likely person to hear anything from God right now or for my prayers and fasting to make a difference. Well, let's see what happens to her. It says in verse 23, yet, so Jesus, uh, she calls out to Jesus, yet he, Jesus, did not say a word to her. So his disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she cries out after us. Jesus answers with silence. Now I know all about what that's like. You call out to Jesus, Jesus, help, help. Jesus, act. Jesus, intervene. Now, I feel like during this fasting, I've heard a lot from Jesus about everything else, which is great, except for the main thing that I'm praying about right now, right? Uh, God, speak to me about this. Help me right now. And you pray and you pray and you pray, and sometimes you go through times where it's just silence, at least about that one thing that you care about. What do you think most people do when they pray and they pray for a year, for two years, and they they just get silence about it? They stop praying. But silence is no reason to stop praying. It's no reason to stop fasting. It's no no reason to to get discouraged. Jesus sometimes answers with silence. And so what does this woman do? Especially when the disciples urge urge Jesus to send her away. What does she do? Does she give up when, when there's silence? Well, says in verse 24, he replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, so Jesus answered with silence, and then he finally talks here, and his basic answer is no. I, I wasn't, I'm not here for you. Talk about Jesus giving a discouraging answer. He gives her a discouraging answer. And I, I bet maybe many of you know what that's like to go through a time of prayer, maybe fasting in the past where you've been discouraged discouraged. You've come out of it like, I, I don't, I didn't get out of this what I was hoping for, or it hasn't come together like I, I hoped for. Again, what do most people do when they go through a period of silence and discouragement in prayer and prayer and fasting? They give up often. What does this woman do? Verse 25, but she came, knelt before him, and said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But she keeps asking. She keeps pleading, not giving up. Now, family, pay attention. This is so gold for you, for your life, for your church, for for everything in the week ahead. You might feel discouraged day two or day four, like nothing's happening. And just remember this one who keeps on asking. Maybe you're fasting for breakthroughs or direction or guidance or closeness or, or whatever. And maybe you've seen zero progress. Look at this woman. Keep asking. And then what happens? He answered her, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus basically telling her, this isn't appropriate. Like, no, this is not appropriate. This is not appropriate. Talk about all kinds of discouragement. Could you be more discouraged if this was Jesus' response to you in your, your fasting this week? Again, this, though, is powerful prayer insight. 
making it clear to God. I love it. Making it clear to God. God, <laughs> I am never giving up on these prayers. Ever. I'm not giving up after this week of fasting, after last week of fasting, after the last five years of fasting. These things I am bringing, you may have been silent about it, I may have been discouraged about it, but I am never giving up on these prayers ever. I'm going to bombard heaven forever and ever and ever for this miracle in this person's life, for my kids, for my parents, for these people that I care about and love about, for their situation, for, for what's going on. I'm going to bombard heaven over and over again for your breakthrough until there's an answer or a crystal clear no, or a crystal clear no. But until there's an answer, not silence, not discouragement, until there's an answer or, or a crystal clear no. And what happens with this woman? Well, verse 28, then Jesus replied. After that, Jesus replied to her, woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was cured. Finally answered prayers. Don't you want breakthrough for your life, for your church? I'm just going to challenge you. Anyone who is physically able, anyone who is able to enter in boldly into this week with courage, with, with humbling yourself. And that's David's words from the psalm, humbling yourself with fasting. It is humbling. It is humbling to intentionally weaken yourself with, with fasting, not taking silence for an answer, not taking discouragement for an answer, instead of joining together, bombarding heaven for your church and for what's going on in your life. I'm going to give you a few tips on fasting just in case you're, you're, um, you're going to take it to the next level this week or if you're uh, going to just give it a go for the first time. A few quick tips. Uh, first of all, I encourage you to choose a positive answer or attitude. Choose a positive answer. Your tummy can grumble, but maybe not your heart, right? God loves some cheerfulness, and, and uh, so lean in with a positive attitude. Secondly, carry with you something to record your thoughts or any dreams. I have something close and expecting God to speak in unexpected moments. Because you may be walking along not praying actively in that moment, but you are fasting actively in that moment. Expect God to, to say something. Also, set aside pre-planned time to pray. This is a special week. Plan on it. Show up at events. Set your alarms early. I, I have my, my alarm on my watch. I've got lots of alarms on my watch. Six times a day, it goes off. And I remember to stop and pray. To pray. I, I just chose nine and noon and 12 based on the morning sacrifice, evening sacrifice. and uh, It doesn't matter when I do it. But I just set, it, set aside times to, to pray and, and to seek God. Be strategic. We're not... We're not um, starving ourselves. We're fasting. We're fasting. Uh, we're fasting and praying. And praying. Also, write down what breakthrough you really want God to do more than you want food. Sometimes that can hold you through this time. God, I want your intervention in this situation. I want your guidance more than I want food. Oh, my goodness. Last night, we had this, we had this missions team over. And we had 15 people, well, plus my family, in our house. My wife cooked the most glorious dinner ever. Three, four, five, I, maybe three, three times, I was in the bathroom pleading with God. 
pleading with God. It was brutal, but praise God that she cooked such a great meal for all of them. But, but sometimes you got to hold on, right? you got to hold on more than I want food. I want this. I want this breakthrough. And what I want you to do is I want you to write that down because I want that prayer paper to become a praise paper in your life this year. I want you to have it written so that you can pull it out, put a date on it, and put, yeah, today I decided this is what I'm going to pray fast. And then you can bring it here and you can testify to what God has done in your life in direct answer to prayer. I expect that. Also on a practical note, if you have odd symptoms this week, there's a website here. I've turned to this. I've had some odd symptoms. I woke up one morning uh, during this fast, and I had this. I hope this isn't too much information. Uh, if it is, you know, just uh, write comments. Um, I had this massive boils it on my uh, spot on my leg. I'm like, I am in my 40s. What is going on here? Who, what is it? What is happening to my body? And, and I looked it up on this website. Oh, that's that's normal. We don't have that up there. It's uh, detox.net.au slash, you're not going to be able to write this down, but it's, it's um, I, yeah, it's, you can Google fasting symptoms, and, and you'll find it. If you have any weird things, I had intense back pain, shoulder pain, severe shoulder pain. It's just part of the detox process. So if you have weird symptoms or, or headaches or whatever, maybe just look it up. It's, it's probably going to be okay, but um, don't take my word for it. Take Google's word for it. Uh, said nobody ever. Anyway, so... Uh, a few other things. You'll probably be extra cold this week. Uh, dress warmer. Drink hot beverages. Dig out your hot water bottle. Take a hot shower or bath before bed. I get so much colder when I I, I, I have a special hoodie that I wear during this week or during these weeks, uh, just to kind of try and stay warm. Um, watch your breath. You're you're detoxing, but you don't have to repulse everyone around you. And uh, I got this thing about, um, about, I mean, I know they say don't eat gum because it, or chew on gum because it makes you more hungry. I'd rather be a bit more hungry than a bit more stinky, but I don't, I don't know what you're, but, but just watch that and um, yeah, just, that's free. But all that to say is my encouragement is, man, you are in for a powerful week. You're in for a powerful week. And there's, there's, there's things that are uncomfortable about, about the week ahead, intentionally, divinely uncomfortable. That's the point. We are humbling ourselves with uncomfort as we seek God's powerful breakthrough in, in our lives. And again, there's reasons not to fast food or not to fast all the seven days. Uh, but man, if you're healthy and able, go for it and go for it all. Yeah, Pastor Pete will say, you know, hey, whatever you, whatever you feel like. I'm just going to say, go for it and go for it all. And just dive in and, and just squeeze this week for all that you can as you pursue God for breakthroughs. Consider it a call and a challenge. Everyone's healthy and able to, to go for it for the sake of your church, for your life, for your city, and for our nation. Just go for it. Why don't you stand with me and, and let's, let, let's pray over this time together. Why don't you go ahead and close your eyes for a moment here and think to yourself in this moment, what is it that you want God to do more than food. If you could get one breakthrough in your life, what would that be? If you could see your church take one gigantic step forward, what would it be? 
If you've, got, if you've got one of those ideas, just raise your hand. Yeah, I know what I'm gonna be seeking God for, for the breakthrough for either for my church or for my life. Yeah, I've got it. Good. Okay, you can put your hands down. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you uh, as a church. I'm gonna pray two prayers. First prayer, Father, I, I believe that the things that you've put on hearts, maybe people think that they've thought of this idea, but I believe that the Holy Spirit has put these ideas on people's hearts. These, these griefs, these, these, um, these griefs, these, these passions, these, these hungers, these desires, for, for you to intervene in their church and in their lives. I know that your spirit is here. Your spirit is here powerfully. Spirit of the living God, listen to these prayers. And God, as everyone who dedicates an, a, a meal, a day, a week to fasting or to giving up something, God, I pray that your ears would be entirely attentive to these prayers, that you would hear from heaven and act, that you would hear from heaven and unleash power, unleash vision, unleash guidance, unleash direction, intervene. God, let this be a season of extraordinary intervention where you help those who need help, where you guide those who need guidance and where you draw close to those who need closeness. In Jesus' name. Also, if there's someone here who is, is in this place, and you're like, something is going on here. What is it? Well, that, God is real. And God is here. And God is, is summoning everyone here who has not given their lives to Jesus to him. To him. And maybe you just know that in your in your heart, you can sense that in your, your spirit. But if you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus before, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray some words and I want you to pray them in your heart and, and give your life to Jesus if, you, if you're willing to th- be bold. You probably realize you need help. You need guidance. You need God's intervention in your life and your circumstances. There's a living God who sees you. There's a living God who hears you, who knows and offers to forgive you. So if this is you, I want you to pray this prayer and boldly give your life to Jesus. God, forgive me. I dedicate the entirety of my life to you. Whether things go good or whether things are difficult, I give my life to you. I ask you to give me the joy of salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Forgive me, guide me, lead me. I am yours forever. Welcome me into eternal dwellings when that day comes. If that's you and you prayed that prayer, just put your hand boldly in the air. Yeah, that's me. I'm giving my life to Jesus tonight. Father God, awaken our land. Awaken our land. Turn hearts back to you. Breakthrough now in Jesus' name.
Amen.